0: Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark.
1: Hi, Cas. Nice being back in studio. As I normally say, it's always a a nice uh, episode, and looking forward to to certain people joining us in studio. But tonight, uh, more more so, as it's a non-rugby person joining us, and it's going to be awesome chatting tonight. That's for sure.
0: No, definitely a star in South Africa in my eyes, and. Um, a non-rugby player at the moment, although he played some decent rugby as a, as a youngster. We're welcoming Jason van Rooyen, uh, South African Olympian, um, went to the Olympics in, and participated in shot put. Um, Jason, you came ninth in the, in the shot put, uh, missing, missing the qualification by a couple of centimetres.
2: Firstly, uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an honor uh, to be part of your show tonight. (laughs) Getting a little bit of a spotlight. Um, Yeah, I came ninth. Uh, The preparation wasn't as good as we were hoping for. But under the conditions uh, that was Tokyo, (laughs) the severe heats and dehydration you face every day, I think ninth wasn't too bad. I mean, I had to dig deep. But ninth
1: was the best one, though. So. Um, yeah, firstly, just from my side, uh, I think just qualifying and going yes. to the Olympics, it uh, doesn't matter where you end. Um, obviously, as an individual, must be a huge honour. But uh, from, a, from a non-participant on my side, I mean, it's an honour having you in studio and, and to speak to you yourself specifically now about that. But I don't think Thank one you. can ever play down the role that a athlete puts into a specific heat like you did now for shot put for argument's sake, regardless of whether you end first or last or whatever, just getting there itself is a a massive honor. I mean, you have to go through so much to qualify firstly. And then obviously from a South African point of view, you are up against the best in the world. And to end ninth and ninth in the world, I think is, is a massive achievement in any case. So I think I don't speak for myself only. I speak from a South African point of view, um, definitely from a touchline point of view. Congratulations to you and every single person that uh, made South Africa proud while you were there. I mean, there's a few medals that we had won. Um, it's always an honour watching you guys and definitely don't, don't uh, put yourself down. I think it's a massive achievement.
2: Thank you so
0: much. Um, Jason, your, your road to, to the Olympics... Um, started in in 2014 with the African Youth Games um, in Botswana, where you won a gold yes. with a distance of uh, 19.73. Um, then you carried on with a um, university, the, the summer university athletics uh, tournament, um, where you achieved a uh, distance of 19.53, and then obviously. In 2021, you had to qualify for the Olympics with a distance of 21.14 meters. That's taken yeah. you to the Olympics. A personal best as well.
2: Yes. <laughs> and uh, sixth, third all time essay oh, as well. So. Well done.
0: Third of all time. So you know, that's not stage. too bad if you think that Kass kicks a
1: ball that far and you have to throw a <laughs> shot put that far. So <laughs> I think it's quite
0: well done. That twenty one twenty one meters was a golf ball, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we still we still gotta get Mark to kick a rugby <laughs> ball. You still can't do that. Um
2: We we have a stretcher.
0: <laughs> you've you've started with shot put and with athletics uh from a very young age. Um I've seen you play rugby as a as a primary school boy and then as a high school boy, and you somewhere along the line you've you've decided that athletics is the way to go. First of all, why did you decide to go with the athletic side? Obviously, it was the right decision. Um, and why did you give up rugby?
2: Um, I was weighing up my options. Um, in rugby, uh, it's it's a very subjective uh, sport. I mean, there is no physical mark that, you in team, I mean, if you go for um, tryouts, it's it's all about a, a subjective manner of picking a team. And with shot put and athletics, it's a, it's a very objective thing. Um, so if you they set a mark, 20 meters, and if you throw 20 meters or over 20 meters, it's an objective mark. You have made your mark and show what you're worth, and via that way you can get in teams instead of a subjective way where there's no real, um, metric system that can be measured. Um, does it, does that make sense? It does. So weighing up the options, you know, going up a subjective system versus an objective system. I, I thought at the time it would be the better option because if, if you make a mark, you, you are in the team, done, dusted, nothing else to show about that. So. So, Jason, if I can then
1: just ask the question, obviously, as Cassie alluded to earlier on, you needed to basically throw your personal best to qualify for for the Olympics. Um, Obviously, that doesn't come overnight. So you need to to prepare well. um, You need to condition yourself firstly. Um, Part of being an athlete, obviously, it's eating plan and gym and so on and so forth. But what does it take? To, and all people aren't as fortunate as that although it's hard work obviously to get there but what does it take dedication wise because we' obviously a rugby show now talking to a an Olympian and it's something different although I think all basics of sport is is similar you still need to dedicate and you still need to make sure you live properly and eat properly and so on and so forth yeah. but from a from a you know you can you you can be a provincial player, you can be a provincial athlete. But to become a pro to represent your country in a massive uh, tournament like the Olympics, it takes special dedication. So for you, firstly, to basically work hard, to to throw your personal best, to qualify and then to go, time, effort, sleepless nights, what does it take to become an Olympian?
2: Well, firstly, um, in, in the rugby system, you get – uh, the, the Curry Cup players which get paid monthly salaries. So they are pro players before they can enter the SpinBot team, obviously. They won't take a amateur player from a club for instance. Um, Olympian-wise, you do not get paid full-time. So you need to really love the, the sport that you are doing. Um, I'm working full-time, so... You get to work at 7, you start work at 7, you make a plan with your boss, then 7 days you can get off at 2 or 4. On the days that I get off at 2, I would train from 2 to 4. I would do the technique. So, shot put is a lot of things. You need a lot of things to be good. You need technique, you need strength, you need agility, you need the mobility, you need athleticism. You need to be flexible as well. (laughs) Is to get in all those weird, tricky positions, so it's it's not a a, a thing of having grit. It's a, it's a form of adapting a lifestyle because you need to lift three times a week. So you need to get your explosive fibers working. Then you need to do um, your squats and your bench and your slow, and heavy movements at least twice a week to get those red fibers working. Furthermore, that's like three hours in the gym a day. Then. So you have two hours on the field. So that's already five hours a day. Then you have an hour stretch session, another hour um, technique session where you do drills. So that's already seven hours of your day, not getting paid for what you do. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it takes real uh, passion for the sport, I may say so.
1: And I'm glad. Thanks thanks for mentioning that, because you know, we speak often in studio as well. I mean, we've had a host of international players. Um In studio already, we're talking about dedication and becoming coaches and and what to do. And it's great to hear that as an amateur, um, you speak passionately about what you do and the dedication. Because if you're telling me between five and seven to eight hours a day um, and you go club rugby and, and, and club players want to become provincial players, there's no ways that they would be able to put in five to seven hours a day just in doing what they're doing. Um, but then you do go and you have a look at a guy, a guy like Mournay Steyn that uh, kicked the winning penalty again in Saturday's game against the Lions. Other than their training sessions that they have, they have private sessions for themselves where they sit and kick 500 balls or whatever in a session. So I just want to go back to that and and, and thanks for, for uh, sharing that with us. Do you, and I'm assuming you do, and and a lot of athletes do, do you have a sp- personal trainer that works with you? And I'm asking that question because, firstly, as an athlete, you work against yourself or with yourself. Whereas in rugby, there's a team effort, um, because obviously it's like going to the gym, and if you if you have a gym partner and your gym partner is off sick today, then you're very reluctant to go. You guys motivate each other to go. But in athletics, in your field specifically, you're on your own. So do you have a, you have a guy that pushes you or motivates you or how does it work? I'd like to take that into club rugby and teach our yeah, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, well, f- firstly, when you look on the TV, you see bolt running. Uh, if you look at the Olympics, me throwing, you saw me throwing. But what you don't see is the whole behind-the-scenes team effort. I mean, of my personal trainer that does my program. Uh, In this type of sport, which is a strength sport, programming is everything. It's not like um, a a team sport where it's it's the team and you play a certain amount of games and then you get good and then you hold hold uh, that level of playing. In our sport you have a three-month window where your body peaks so think of it as grabbing a car into the red you can only rev a car for that long into the red until it starts breaking so what our programming does it allows our body to peak for three months and then we can push for that three months but you have to back off eventually so what happened with um me hitting the qualification mark we went into the red for too long Then we had to back off for a while before we could push again. And then we had to push on 99 to qualify. So it it was timing and everything. But we have a whole team. Um, I have a technique coach. You have a strength training coach. You have a programming coach. You have a physio. You have a bio and a chiro working guy. So it's, it's about six people on the team with you. But all of... All of them are behind you in, in that ring, and you are representing everyone on your team. And the world may not know it, but you know it. And, it's, and just lastly, before I end back to Gus, I want to
1: ask you with that, going to the Olympics now, obviously like with rugby, the Sevens the sevens went over. Um, so they have their coaching staff that go with them. So you have a private coach, obviously, on your side, or with you guys going to the Olympics, do you have a Saskock uh, coach that goes with you or how does that setup work obviously because it's basically like an individual sport
2: yes luckily uh me and my training partner are by the same coach so me and my training partner can't look like we push each other real hard and uh you know we need each other to to reach the distances that the top guys are throwing without someone pushing you you'll just be lacking every session so Our coach uh, taught both of us how to go basically through the technique. And luckily, he got into the team. So because there's two throwers now for the first time since 2004 in the South African team. So they were like, you know, what, we're not going to take chances. Uh, With Napoli and Nanjing and Taiwan, which was all Olympic level uh, sub-junior events, I had to go on my own. And then you just operate on your own, because some training sessions you do on your own and you learn to operate on your own. So it's not a train match if your coach is not with you. Because, I mean, when you throw, you're throwing on feeding So your coach just helps you with technique use. Yeah. Okay, thank now,
0: you. Now, getting to the, to the Olympics, um, you guys were unfortunate that you you were not allowed to leave the the Olympic village. You had to stay in the village. Just explain to us, how did that work?
2: Um, The security was super tight in the village uh, in the beginning. Um, So you would get your tag, uh, you you would get an accreditation, which is your name on it, and your Olympic ID. And then you have a barcode that gets scanned by every checkpoint. So they would have... uh, close grips on all the entrances and exits. So you're only allowed to be in the village. So the village existed of a few hotels, which was like 20 floors each. It was about 15 hotels. You have an eating center, which is like two floors, and then you have an entertainment center, and you had a plaza, which is like a little shopping or like a dep- very small, (laughs) intimate shopping mall, Um, then you get access to buses that take you to your training events. So that is also very tightly controlled because the buses themselves go through X-ray machines, which uh, I I think they were looking for bombs that would be put under the buses without anyone knowing. So no, it was very tight. You can't go anywhere. Uh, without your accreditation. If you lose your accreditation outside the village, you cannot get back in. It's history for you. If you were fortunate enough to get out.
0: (laughs) Then now, getting out and going to to the stadium to actually go and and, and participate in this this event now, um, you were were there amongst the best in the world. Um, I see there's a couple of names that came through the ranks with you from 2014 in the... um, Youth Olympics that you were still competing against. Just tell us a bit about going into that stadium and, and preparing yourself mentally for, for um, participating in your event.
2: So with these type, these type of events, the, the people that usually do good are comp- competition fits. So with, uh, just like team sports, you need a certain amount of games of playing with the team before you get good. Okay? Mm. Um, So, I was not competition fit at all. Uh, We were supposed to have a European season, but all the plans fell through the roof because of COVID. So, before Olympics, my last competition was May, 6th of May. So, I went three months without competing. Now, that would usually be a train smash, and your head would usually be toast by then. But I had a psychology doctor there, uh, Dr. Peter. He... Settled me nicely in. He cues to focus on. Um, So that's that. But when I walked into the stadium, the sheer enormity of the stadium was unfathomable. I mean, Alice Park would fit twice into the the size of that stadium. Uh. It was just enormous. The atmosphere was ecstatic. You could cut it with a knife. I mean, because you have all these guys now going out... Everyone wants to come first. No one's talking to each other. It's not fun and games. It's serious business. It's the number one platform on earth, the biggest sporting event of every four years. And now you need to perform on that stage without three months of (laughs) any competition. So my first throw did not go good at all. Um, I was a bit competition shaken. And I realized then and then that, you know what, it's not that bad. It's just another competition. These are your idols, but you cannot look up to them now. They are your competition. You need to go after them. You need to compete. And that's what I did. I mean, I just, uh, my, my back was against the wall and I felt my whole team is with me and the whole uh, school setup that supports me was also in my head. And all the children looking up to me, my whole family. Mm-hmm. All the sacrifices I made for four years to get here was coming down to one moment, and I was not going to give up. So I went into the uh, ring for the second time, through two meters further, which was, <laughs> thank goodness, you know, it was like an icebreaker. <laughs> And then the third third was just like more of that, just keeping the rhythm, finding the timing, and just hitting it as hard as possible. 22-9, so, M9, um, well, it was enough to beat the guys that came up with, me. so, I mean, of the year that I was competing, I was number one. So when I look at it that way, we, we're all still young. I mean, I'm 24 years old. As shotputters, put it, you only peak when you're 29. So there's still a lot left in the bank. <laughs> no, no, I agree. If you ta-
1: if you take that as a lesson learned, yes. um, you know, next time, next time you go to the Olympics or wherever else you compete, you'll go back in the memory bank and and bring all the positive from what you learned now. It's probably you would have probably have learned more now at the Olympics than you've ever learned before. Um, but that you would put into practice, and that can understand you in good stead. So it's a it's a good thing in the memory bank that you can actually bring to the fore.
2: But It was a steep learning curve, but it's it's a different type of stress. I mean, it's not a I don't have money stress or I don't have work stress. It's a whole different level. I mean, I am still, it's it's been a week now after the competition. I'm still emotionally drained from that competition. It's a different type on its own.
0: Jason, thank you for that. Um, if we can move on and chat a bit of a bit of rugby, can we, I just ask you oh, one question. You see what I said? <laughs> you see what I said? All fair. If I can get two words, no? you see. I
1: I have to do this for the listeners because I think, I think it's just fair. Um, if you if on your side can just let us know who the medal winners were um, while you guys were there, South African medal winners. And then what the village was like when they actually entered the village after winning their medals, because we saw a few things on, on Facebook and that, um, and to see our rainbow nation stand together and sing and dance and celebrate the the, the medals that came home. I mean, we didn't get many of them granted, but uh, just a little bit that we saw on Facebook and that was actually m- magnificent to see. And from a, from a experience point of view with you guys in the village with them coming back. If you can just uh, touch base on that, please, Jason.
2: As they say, sport can bring a nation together. And that is exactly what those medals did. Um, when we received Bianca from the surfing, I mean, she was a dark horse. No one even thought, not even she thought before the time, I spoke to her before the time, and not, not even she thought she would get a silver, so... Not, not, not even a medal. I mean, what South African does surfing and goes to the Olympics and wins the medal? That's bonkers. So the village was broken down. I mean, the, the South Africans lined up before the building and they um, received her and were singing and praising her and cheering. And then it went, uh, the, the two days passed, and then Tatiana, Broke her Olympic record in uh, heat, so everyone was already expecting a gold. Unfortunately, she only got silver. But then she came back with one hell of a hit, breaking the world record and getting a gold medal. Unheard of. I mean, wow. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps. Um, I'm also this, getting goosebumps. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> evening, we received a I I mean, I was on the eighth floor of the building on the other side, and I could hear the people singing. Wow. I was—I had competition the next day, so I wasn't there. But I could hear people on the eighth floor, floor on the other side of the building singing and praising Tatiana. The the images, uh, I think there was like little crackers that they were popping. I don't know where they got it, though, but <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Bonkers.
1: Just uh, with something like that then while you're there, obviously, because that happened in the beginning of... of um the Olympics, would a person like yourself, then be as you said now, you were going to compete the following day, would you take positive out of that as a motivator as well to, to try and push yourself?
2: Well, I mean if, yes, of course I mean, when I was in Nanjing in 2014, I came fourth there. Before the last time I was lying in fifth place with uh, needing 40 centimeters to get fourth and then Jazar Megaman at the time won a gold medal. And before my last throw, the South African national Anthem played. Mm. And I was just full with adrenaline. So, I mean, it, it's about equal to that.
0: Yeah. So it's those, right. those, those small things that make the big differences.
2: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. It was a dip, bit difficult to sleep, though, because I could chew through my bed with so much adrenaline <laughs> I had. But... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing uh-huh. wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> now the bed was cardboard <laughs>
0: <laughs> now if we can move on to, to some Curry Cup rugby um, Jason I don't know if you had time last week or the weekend to to watch some rugby I know you had some decent lamb lamb on the spit um, Curry Cup rugby last week Western Province 40 Cheetahs 39 Sharks 35, Bulls 28, Griquas 42, Lions 45, and then the Bulls 56, Griquas 33, and the Puma Sharks game cancelled. Mark, if I can ask your thoughts first.
1: Well, firstly, um, if we go to the weekend's games, um, you know, Province and the Cheetahs, um, yet again, many tries scored. Uh, throughout the competition, and and you know if you if you listen and read social media and that and and people hit the nail on the head um, with regards to the competition this year, our defence is a problem in the Curry Cup currently because you get high scores. Yes, obviously it's nice, attractive rugby. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, I'm going to go to when we speak about the Lions in yes. the South African series, it's total opposite. Total opposite, yeah. Um, and there's also concerns there for from a South African point of view or as they're pointing out to us. Um, but, I mean, part of it is nice because we haven't had rugby in such a long time. Um, province, you know, if you look at them in the Cheetahs, um, high-scoring games... Sharks and 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 the Bulls. Um, I don't think I don't think uh, many pundits would have thought yes. that the Sharks would Definitely. beat the Bulls convincingly like that. Yes. And then uh, obviously the lines and and, and was drawing, you know. So I think it's 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 nice for the eye, but not good for the game if it makes sense from that point of view. Um, and obviously now with uh, with the Sharks and the Boomers um, game cancelled on the week. And the Bulls doing so well against Grikwas, which was also a surprise in the score. Um, That's now put the Bulls back at the top. And I think the Sharks are four or five points below them again. And that is the sad part um, about this year's Curry Cup is the amount of COVID cases and the games need to be stopped and then drawn. And then in the past, obviously, because we can now, because we canceled that game, we didn't get any points out of it. Whereas in the past if it wasn't cancelled you at least split the points. points you no, know, yes. so it's been a very difficult one. Um, it's great to see the, the the newbies coming through because obviously so many guys on the Springbok squad. Um, and it's just great for South African rugby. So um, but yeah, it's a, the defensive thing is a bit is a bit of a, a question. But nice to see that South Africans can actually attack.
0: Yes. Jason, I don't know if you if you did watch any of the games. Um any comments from your side?
2: Well, I mean, firstly, I'm, I'm very impressed with the Griquas, how they are competing against the other guys. Yes. I mean, they, they never were in the, in the Super Rugby series. So all of these other teams have the experience from Super Rugby past. And Griquas are just like your national club level. And now they got into Curry Cup again, which uh, I think everyone is grateful for. I mean, more the merrier with them in Pumas. So they're,
0: they're holding themselves well against the big, big guys there. Can I assume then you're a Griquas
2: fan? No, nah, nah, I'm a <laughs> Lions fan. a <laughs> little boy.
0: <laughs>
1: is that is that why you didn't say anything about the Lions?
2: Not yet. <laughs> don't,
0: don't worry, Jason. I'll also keep quiet on that one.
1: I think we need to get their coach back into studio because we've yeah. got lots to ask him.
0: Yeah, plenty. We've got plenty to <laughs> ask him. Now, talking about the Lions, let's move on to the British and Irish Lions. Um, a lot's been said. A lot's been done. Um, there's, there's talks of of court cases and lawyers getting involved and Rassi being summoned and all the rest of it. Um, but over and above all of that, South Africa went out and won the third test and the series. Well done, Morne Steyn. He's done it twice now in 12 years. What a kick!
1: Yeah, I agree. And obviously to to Jacques, um, who obviously was his first yes. real competition. If you think about it, you know we in in 20 months we hadn't played. Yeah. We only had one warm-up game against Georgia, and the second test was was cancelled due to COVID. So I don't think our preparation was as spot on as we re- would have liked. Um, we've had a few guys not available for the for the tournament, and then obviously had one or two injuries. Part of that, and then you you need to think about that we played the best of the northern hemisphere, uh, taking France out of it now, obviously yeah. of Europe, um, which is never which is never easy. No, you know, if you not. go back the previous tournaments, they 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 the Lions now they beat Australia and they drew to New Zealand. Yes. Um, one thing that stands out, though, is the last time they were in South Africa, we were world champions, yes. and we beat them. Um, this time around, we world champions, and we beat them. So um, that is a, a, a feather in South Africa's cap. I don't think any other country has it ever is. done that. Um, and well done to Jacques. In his, I think there was a, quite a bit of pressure on him, obviously. Russia obviously, played a, played a massive role in that. Um, but I just think... The way we conducted ourselves, um, you know, the World Cup, that the country, the world of good, and uh, like New Zealand, South Africa know how to win. They know yes. they can back themselves up, they can. and we've got a few youngsters coming through. We've got a few seasoned campaigners there. Um, you know, we've we technically we didn't play in the last uh, rugby championship because of COVID, but the. Previous one, we're still the champions of that, and we're defending our title now. We're the World Cup cup holders, and we beat the British and the Irish Lions. So, um, you know, not many teams can say that. Um, a lot of negativity with regards to how we play and what we do. Um, as a coach, personally, um, I would laugh it off because ultimately you are judged on whether you win or lose. Same as in athletics, um, Jason will tell you. That is the ultimate. That's where you want to go. doesn't matter how you get there and how ugly it is, but you'll take a win. And hats off to South Africa. And, you know, we've heard many things now about New Zealand talking about how poor we were and the coach saying you fell asleep and whatever. Judge us after we play them. One thing they can't do, they can't take the World Cup away from us in the next two years. And for the next 12 years, we would still have beaten the British and Irish lines, regardless of what.
0: The only, the only sad thing for me was the fact that um, with all this bantering going around and, and, and um, social media focusing on Rassi, a lot of the hype was taken away from, from Jacques Ninova. Jacques was in the, in the shadows and nobody really spoke about Jacques Ninova. And he did phenomenally well to to get this team after 20 months to to actually play against the British and Irish Lions who had proper game time and to take the series from them? Look, I think a
1: few things happened, yeah. Um, Both Rossi and Jacques are are very meticulous in what they do. Um, They're very clever in how they bat. I think Rossi, his rant and rave was part of his thinking was to take all the pressure away and let everyone focus on what the is saying and so forth. I'm not saying that's his sole issue that he had, but I think that was part of it. That's why the box went on in their normal preparation. Jacques went on. I mean, he was only in the media when he had to select his team and there was questions and whatever. Look, one can't, one can't take it away from Russia. I think he's still got a, he still has a big part to play in selection and in certain things. Um, but uh, you know the the a little bit that we know about Jacques Nino, but I think he would have preferred it like that as well. You know, he's still up and coming. A lot of pressure on him as a as a defence coach or as a physiotherapist now, becoming South Africa's head coach and and it's world championships and things like that. I think there's a heck of a lot of pressure on him. And I think what Rossi did in that sense um, probably helped Jacques Nienaber and what he did. And uh, she, I can tell you. I don't, think, I don't think Jacques would mind not, not being in the limelight. As long as this continues for Eastern Europe, he'd be happy with that. And no one will think about South Africa, how poorly we won or how bad we were. At the end of the day, you've got a trophy in the cabinet, and that's all that matters. History
0: book's going to show that we won the series. Um, Jason, I know your focus was on the on the Olympics and, and, and trying to bring home a medal there. Um, your thoughts on this Lions tour?
2: I mean i think I, I wasn't the only one but after the georgia game i think most people were gonna think it it, it was going to be a slaughter yes. because of the lack of time the team had together i mean yes. all of these cover cases which put them out of um out of play which was honestly you know a huge hit for the team so for them to come back after something like that and you know as you as you said they had a lot of critics about how they played and everything but i I still think no one's going to ask in the history books, oh, but do you remember they did that or that? But, yeah.
1: yeah. You know, I think, I think you're 100% correct, Jason, in saying that when, I mean, this this line side that, that towards South Africa was a, formidable It
0: was a formidable line I side. mean,
1: Warren Gatlin no. still said after the first and second test that uh, it was the yeah. most difficult team selection yes. ever because of the quality. I mean, they oozed quality from one right through to I don't know how many they were that were yeah, 45 players or whatever it is. Um, if you look at Stuart Hogg that was left out of the third test and, and Williams had to come in. Hogg himself, I mean, the Scottish captain, he is a yes. quality player and I mean... Farrell was left out, and you name it. Um, With a a tour like this, it's always difficult to get your selection spot on. But I think what what Jason was saying was was spot on as well. I think not many people gave us a chance of, I won't say beating the Lions, but winning the series. Put it that way. More so after we'd lost the first game. And... um, you know, for, for and you could see it. I mean, when I think Rashi and them yet again, they were very clever in the South African A game when yes. they played the the British and Irish Lions, fielding most of the guys that are going to play in the Test match to give us some game time. Mm-hmm. Um, in that game, we I mean we won, but the second half we lost. Um, in the first Test, we won the first half but lost the second half, hence losing the game. And there you could see in that the last 20, 30 minutes, we were out of out of breath and chasing the game in the sense of getting to the breakdowns and not being fit enough. But, I mean, that all came through in the second half. And I think we're still far off off where we want to be. Um, obviously, there's the targets that they set themselves. But coming back to, to what Jason said, I don't think many people gave us, I mean, even if we honest with ourselves, your heart yeah. will say, no, we're going to do this thing um but mind wise i mean they've gone gone through two six nations already um you know they've played a few internationals, all of them collectively we only played against georgia
0: well, we, we we spoke about it over the weeks that w- what is our chances really um going back onto the field back onto the park after twenty months mm. and then trying to beat the beat the side like like the lions it's it's just it's unheard of it's it,
1: no, it and you know, as I said, you can go back. You can go back to the previous two uh, British and Irish Lions tours. The last one to New Zealand, and the one prior to that to Australia. There was no COVID. Yes. Everyone played. You went through yes. a season and played. Um, and as I said, the British and Irish Lions beat the Wallabies, and they drew to New Zealand in New Zealand. You know, so for us, not to play for 20 months and to do this, I think it's bigger than obviously. The guys out of South Africa will still frown on it, but it's, if they are honest with themselves and they had put their countries in that space and they had won like this, it's bigger than anyone could have ever imagined. It
2: is. No, and, don't, don't you guys think they underestimated us completely? Yeah, probably don't. did. You're 100% correct. And, I mean, and... if, you, if you looked at the media, they, the vibe they were giving off was just like, we're going to mm-hmm. kill the South Africans. We are yes. ready for them. They must come. And um, meanwhile, we were quiet. We didn't say much. Yeah. No, I agree. But I, 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 it hard. I,
1: I think what also counted against them was the build-up to the test matches. Yes, because um, they played all our super super franchises, and yes. they put fifty past each and every one of them. Yeah. And then the only stumbling block was against SAA, yeah. uh, which was a close game. So I think the lead-up to that, and I see a lot of lot of ex-Lions like the Brian Driscolls and so forth are now asking to bring the midweek games back during the test series. So obviously the the fringe players stopped playing, um, so they hadn't played for a month. And now let's say Williams now, for argument's sake, like he had to come into the test match. Yeah. I mean, we were in the same boat, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I think they're right, and I see what they also want to look at now is in the, in the next line series to bring let's say, Fiji or Tonga into playing that as well to get
0: the competition higher
1: than normal club or provincial
0: range. which also
1: makes sense because you yeah, need to
0: prepare them. Then let's be fair to our franchises as well. Um, each franchise had one opportunity to play against them, and I don't think our guys were, 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 were mentally up to that challenge. Oh, if, you look at, if you look at the Sharks that had a second go at them, up until the red card, the Sharks actually gave them a run for their money. Right. The Sharks, if it wasn't for the red card, I still believe that the Sharks would have given them a decent run for their money. Um, So if our other franchises maybe had a second go at it, if they did carry on playing, and and, and the Bulls, for instance, then, um, which were on a high, had a second go at it, um, it would have been a different game. I'm sure it would have been a different game. No, I agree with you. But,
1: you know, our franchises are obviously not used to playing that tempo. Yes. And against the quality British and Irish line side. Look in the past years it was never that bad. Yes. I mean obviously they beat the odd the odd provincial side handsomely and, and whatever. I think what one what was also different this time around is that not one Springbok was allowed to play for his franchise. Yes. Because of COVID, so it was an extended oh, was, squad. Yeah. Normally it's not a big squad like that, it's a smaller squad. Um, and and a lot of those players Springbok players now would have been able to play for their franchises, where this time around it wasn't like that, so it was yes. a watered-down one. Uh, what, it, what it did do for South African rugby, though, is the youngsters that came through had a taste of international rugby and playing against big guns, um, and that can only stand South African rugby in good stead. I say this with respect to the Lions, not worried about them. That's what happens in South Africa. So for us, for our franchises, was a learning curve. Obviously for the Lions, It was a bit of a bitter pull because they were undercooked going into the test matches for the simple reason that they were not really tested from the
0: beginning. Yes, 100%. Now, the question is, the upcoming tests, this Saturday is uh, the Springboks playing Argentina and then the following weekend, we're playing Argentina again. And then in September, the 12th of September, it's Australia here in South Africa on the 18th of September is South Africa and Australia. Then we're going to uh, the All Blacks, New Zealand, South Africa and New Zealand on the 25th of September. And then on the 2nd of October is the All Blacks here in South Africa. Um, Jason, if I can ask you, what do you think the, the Springboks will, will do against these sides?
2: Uh, I think home games will... Probably do some damage. Um, home games are always easier because you are in your climate, you're in your time zone. You are accustomed to this place that we call home. As I experienced in Tokyo, you know, adapting that quickly to their climate, their time zones. I mean, it's hard. Your your body's inner clocks aren't working properly as they as they should be because now your whole virus is changing. So I think the away games are going to be harder, Um, but then again, the away games also give you much more time as a team, you know, so in that sense, I think those will probably match them, but I think the home games are definitely going to be strong ones. Argentina, you can never count them out. I mean, they did some serious damage last year and no one saw that coming, so then, then you have Australia, which is always, um, you know, they're, they're always wild cards. They'll either play really badly or they'll play really good on the day. I don't know how they determine that. But then you get New Zealand, which is just on a level of their own. I mean, the systems that are in place, their ball handling, their tempo. And um, I, I don't think our ball handling skills are that good. We're not that that well equipped to play. That tempo or their game, that always falls onto us and then force errors from our side. So, I don't know. It's going to be tough.
0: You say it's like a 50-50. Home games, hours and away games might be there.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Mark? Well, firstly, um, just to go one step back quickly, uh, the Bledisloe Cup started last weekend as well. Okay. between New Zealand and Australia. And obviously, um, New Zealand or Australia haven't beaten or taken the cup in 19 years if they don't take it this year. So, And I'm bringing that in because part of the uh, championship is the Bledisloe Cup, and yes. New Zealand and Australia are playing this weekend again. Yes. And if New Zealand win, they would keep it for the 19th consecutive year. So the Aussies have got all to play for in that specific comp um Although it's part of the, the, the rugby championship now, so uh, just to come back to South Africa, in South Africa, the, the the sad part here is we're playing Argentina on home soil in the next two weeks. Yes, um, and I say the sad part because, as Jason was saying, when you go out of your country, it's a different kettle of fish. Um, it's going to be a tough competition for South Africa because we're going to be away for six weeks or whatever it is, playing New Zealand and Australia twice in their yeah. country away, um, whereas obviously Argentina, yeah. Um, I also think that this Saturday, um, it's going to be a tough game for us. Jacques Ninova has basically thrown all new players into into the, the test match. Um, I think there's only three guys in yes. the test side that, that played the last test against the Lions. Um, obviously, Siakulisi is one of them, so he'll be leading. Um, so that's going to be a tough test for, for the Springboks. It would be great from a depth point of view. We did that We did that when we went to the World Cup, where we had two squads playing, and we played against Argentina, so it's not impossible. Um, I think if we can pull it off, then uh, obviously we'd be on the right track. Um I just think that, that, you know, these are two must-win games that we have to win before we go away. And obviously we have a rotation policy that, that they promise that they stick to and they give everyone an opportunity to play. What is good, though, is that the guys that haven't been playing would be hungry now to play and to put up their hands to say, Coach, I'm available for selection against the bigger guys. Um, I agree with uh, Jason as well that we mustn't underestimate them, and I don't yep. think we will. Um, I think we have set our standards to a specific level. We know where we want to go Definitely. to. We know how to get there. As I said, we know how to win. Um, and it's going to be tough. So so we need these two. Uh, if, we, if we slip up against one of those or in one of those two games, it's going to be a tough comp for us to compete. And the ultimate channel, and I say this with respect to Australia, is New Zealand in New Zealand. We'll have to make it work.
0: We're going to have to. Well, time will tell. Yeah, no, definitely, it's it. and it's time exciting. I
1: mean, we haven't been part of that, you know, and there's so many critics against us now. So, um, you know, if we, if we can, even if we win one, lose one, although we don't want to go that route, but even if we win one, lose one against both New Zealand and Australia, in New Zealand and Australia, it's not even at home, we would have um, nullified all the negativity thrown at South Africa at the moment. So we have to beat them at least once. Um, yeah. you know, both New Zealand and Australia. So it's actually
0: it's actually great. So looking forward to it. And may the box continue their eyes. May they continue. Then to touch on KwaZulu Natal Club Rugby. We've been given the, the green light, as we said, to to continue. And the league starting this weekend. Um, two Premier League games. Your thoughts, Mark?
1: Well, firstly, it's, it's always nice to be back. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of... Hesitant bodies out there that first want to see what's going on because of COVID. And unfortunately, in KZN, um, yes, our figures are rising by the day. And I think we we the leading province currently in, in South Africa, which is a concern. Um, as we saw with the Sharks, they had to withdraw in their game on the on Wednesday. Um, but the general feel out there, I think, is, is excitement. We want to go back and we owe it to our... To our followers and to our sponsors and and to everyone that's been backing us, um, this weekend we see College Rovers play Varsity College, um, yes, and then obviously we see Rich's Bay come down to to Durban to play uh, Durban, Collegians. Durban Collegians. So um, you know, if if Reaches Bay arrive the way they can play when they are at home, um, I think it would be a it uh, would be a good good competition between the two. Yeah um Rovers and VC obviously' gonna It's going to be on a different level because I think um, Rovers want to want to try and avenge certain things that happen in the flyer and so forth and they all fall quality sides you know so um, just glad that that we're back on track and yes. then obviously UKZ, an MP ourselves Toti and Crusaders all oh. have a buy oh, yes and um, the, technically the league only starts next week. These four guys are playing each other because of COVID issues in the yes. first few rounds. Before we were stopped due to COVID, so good luck to all of them, and uh, yeah, may they may they all come out on the other side COVID-free, and let's make this count
0: and stay safe. Definitely, let's all stay safe, Jason. Just um, in in concluding this whole thing, a question: um, What is what is the road forward for Jason Van Royen? Um towards the next Olympics?
2: Well, ironically, Lions fanboy is working with the Lions bio. So so I went to the Lions bio this afternoon. So after a two-, three-year push in the gym, uh, you make sacrifices on your body, putting your body through hell. And, of course, in a right-hand-dominated sport, there are a lot of imbalances that form in the body. So muscles are pulling on muscle that they shoot up going on so firstly we need to get the uh, the body back into balance so that is what i'll be doing for the rest of this year and then we'll be preparing begin preparation shortly for the commonwealth games next year so hopefully we can medal there that's the plan and i will put money on the table because that is the goal and i always will reach my goal with Kyle pushing me and the whole support system and Sascop, hopefully um, giving us more support. So let's see what happens. Jason, if I can just ask with that, and
1: and good luck with your preparations and that, but if I can just ask on that, when you say um, that's your next focus area and that, would you obviously or not uh, be participating in any comps up until there or is just getting your body right and the mindset right and retweaking certain things or is there still competition? Obviously you need to qualify I'm assuming to go to the Commonwealth Games but um, is it just a, a, a mellow time now just to, to relax and reset your batteries and, and so forth?
2: Yes, um, unfortunately um, the, the shot put would... Uh, competitions in South Africa are not very competitive. It's basically me and Carl every competition, and that is not very healthy for the sport nor is it healthy for us. We get very complacent with uh, each other and competitions because you know you need you need to feel pressure. You need to be able to cope with pressure. So up until January, we'll just go mellow. We'll. We'll recharge the batteries, but as soon as we can go to Europe, we'll be going to Europe to go and compete against the world's best. That will probably happen in March. The Commonwealth Games, I think, will be August, July probably. So we'll have three months in Europe this time. I mean, this year was a steep learning curve. So next year we can apply a lot of things um, that we learned this year, uh, such as to plan earlier and actually get into Europe this time so and with a coach and some phenomenal support so we'll hopefully be very well prepared for commonwealth better than we were prepared for Olympics.
1: so just on that in in closing from my side uh, i just want to ask if you say to go to europe and all of that is that with a national side or is this now self-funding on your side and you go in your personal capacity or is that not how it works
2: now that is self-funding um, you get agents, the agents get you there, but the, your agent will take fifteen percent of your winnings and then your winnings cover your trip. So yeah. if you do very well, you'll make some money, but if you do poorly you'll lose a bit out of your pocket. Which <laughs> is quite terrible. sad. But yeah. that's the pressures you need to deal with. That's yeah. that's the world of athletics. Uh
1: yeah, you yeah. and it's it's actually sad to sad to yeah, I mean you know, you guys do so well and you need the support and obviously you need the funding to, to do things like that. And I hear you 100 percent. You know, the competition isn't always great in your own country and you need to compete in an international environment for when you go to the Olympics that you've actually been put under pressure and so forth. So it's sad to hear um, just from my side, I wish you well. Keep flying the South African flag. I, you still, and I say this with respect, you're still a youngster. Um, we look forward to to having you back in studio in a, in a few months' time to hear how your preparation has gone. Um, just listening to your passion and that that you have for the country and for the sport and all of that uh, makes me proud to, to say that I'm also South African and you give people out there hope. So may that continue for a long time. And just from Touchline's point of view, all the best for the future.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. I enjoyed it so much. Telling about the ball, telling about everything, <laughs> getting my story out there, and uh, you know what—it's it's just great to be recognized, you know, nationally, which is great.
0: <laughs> Once again, from from Touchline, from myself, and from Mark, um, well done for for representing us at the at the Olympics, um, and and doing well, and all the best, and good luck for your your trip forward and. Hopefully we see you at the Commonwealth and, and chat to a middle winner after the Commonwealth.
2: Let's hope so. <laughs> All in God's timing. We'll uh, see what he has
0: planned for me. 100% Three that's it. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Jason.
1: You Now, Cass, thanks a lot for that. And to Jason, obviously, as I said before we started, it's awesome to have someone different in studio. But what an yes. honor... Uh, to have an Olympian yeah, and yes. he's very, he's very um, what's the word I'm looking for, humble yeah. in, in his achievements and that. But I think yes. it's a great feat just to, to represent the country and, and to stand tall and to listen to all the stories that he's talking about. So from our side, may the box continue their rise, and, and may we uh, keep a few, make a few people keep quiet while we go towards that. And then, yeah, let's just enjoy it. And looking forward to our next chat
0: next week. Thank you, Mark. Always good listening to you guys and having your input. From Touchline, from myself, Kasper Els, and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.